0: People come out of their homes and clapped and bashed pots and pans for the NHS every Thursday at 8pm. Applause that ran across the UK for 10 weeks during the first national lockdown in 2020. Little did they know, that behind the closed hospital doors, where no prying eyes of the loved ones of those left to its mercy were allowed. A protocol had been put in place that would change the lives of thousands of people forever. Standard treatments using antibiotics for lungs and chest infections were stopped. Patients were instructed to isolate at home with no treatments. And some then developed pneumonia that could have been prevented with antibiotics. Upon arrival at hospital, somewhere, sedated with opioids. This caused respiratory depression and then put on a ventilator. And the rest is history, a history they hope you will forget.
1: critical care doctors say many patients placed on these machines don't survive.
2: The outcome for a patient who has to be ventilated if they have COVID-19 is horrific.
1: Chinese researchers studying critically ill patients on ventilators in Wuhan found in a group of 32 only one person survived the average room air is 21 percent. after several days on a ventilator high levels of oxygen can become toxic damage the lungs and lead to other serious complications
0: dr richard levitan who recently spent 10 days working on a covid ward had this to say 86, 87 patients, one coming down to 87.
3: How many of those are on ventilators?
0: Uh, I think 84, Uh, I think
3: 84,
0: so So the vast, vast, vast majority, the vast, 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 vast majority.
3: Now if you deteriorate, will you like us to put you to sleep and put a tube in your mouth and put you on breathing support? You're not going to deteriorate. That's good good uh, thinking. But there is a can't function normally because he's sedated and being kept alive by a ventilator. The government had asked engineering firms to help build thousands of new medical ventilators. Why didn't you want to go on a ventilator? I didn't, I didn't want to be out I didn't know if I'd to If you're on the board of a care home company, a pandemic is one of the things that you think about as a potential damage to your business because of the number of older people that's going to take out the system. Curiously, ripping off the sticking plaster. In that hospital I'm thinking about that has 92 delayed discharges, a pandemic would be quite useful because then your hospital would work because these people would be taken out of the system, because these people would be taken out of the system. Every single patient here, except one, is sedated. There are 13 patients on this ward. 12 are on intubators and they're in a coma. The doctors are using ventilators to keep them alive row after row bed after bed with some of the sickest patients in the region there are men and women young and old black and white most are sedated and intubated but they know more patients will die at the start of filming they had lost six by the time we finished a few hours later it was seven
1: Uh, We typically use ventilators uh, to treat what's called respiratory failure. Uh, That is, uh, we use the ventilator to do the work that the patient's muscles can no longer do because they're too tired to do it. These patients' muscles work fine. This method being widely adopted at this very moment in every hospital in the country, which aims to increase pressure on the lungs in order to open them up, is actually doing more harm than good, and that the pressure we are providing uh, that we are providing to lungs, we may be providing to lungs that cannot stand it, that cannot take it, and that the ARDS that we are seeing, that the whole world is seeing, be nothing more than lung injury caused by the ventilator.
3: These are the difficult
1: decisions made between
3: patients and doctors. Getting wired up and plugged in is grueling. Getting wired up and plugged in. And plugged in.
1: In these nine days, I have seen things I have never seen before. In treating these patients, I have witnessed medical phenomenon that just don't make sense in the context of treating a disease that is supposed to be a viral pneumonia. And this is the disease, ARDS, for which in the next two to six weeks, 100,000 Americans might be put on a ventilator, and that we are operating under a medical paradigm that is untrue in short i believe we are treating the wrong disease and i fear that this misguided treatment will lead to a tremendous amount of harm to a great number of people in a very short time
0: little did they know that behind the closed hospital doors where no prying eyes of the loved ones of those left to its mercy were allowed a protocol had been put in place that would change the lives of thousands of people forever hope you will forget. Well, don't forget me. Welcome, 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 everyone. That's uh, <laughs> not another day.
4: Well, it feels like it's not another day, but it, it is a new day now. It's one o'clock in the morning, and uh, that means a fresh day. So the doc climbs the crown throne of grift and uh, gets ready. Uh, we're going to be doing uh, Christian T. Harris, which is part of uh, InfoWars network, and is that that better? Does it sound better? sounds better in my ears like that. Um, And yes, people want to talk about brain-machine interfaces and uh, neuro-warfare, cognitive warfare, and uh, all the like, and uh, I can actually say I'm one of the few people on this planet who's uh, put electrodes in all those spots and recorded it, and actually actually tried to um, change change behavior and you know it's it's harder than you think lick spills harder than you think um but uh yes i are we are we entering a new age of uh the iphone of uh brain implants the uh the cybernetic super soldier etc etc Yeah, potentially uh, I'm sure we'll talk about it in a few, few minutes. Now, did I send out alerts? I kind of got this shorter intro at the moment. I'm just playing it. It's That's <coughs> from rads, excuse me, uh, at Function Gain on Twitter. Um, If you want to go and watch or download uh, that cool bit of intro. And yeah, I got, whew, what is it? Nine minutes to kill, so um whilst I do that, let's think about what we're gonna be doing today, so that you know I think there's uh, things are crystallizing out uh you know, apart from the uh apart from the dystopia and the uh, managed population decline and the uh, soft kill mechanisms that uh, go beyond go beyond britain's n h s um we're we're seeing we're seeing these all cause mortality figures, right? And um it's it's hitting the young. And the question is, why is it hitting the young? And we I have a paper which you know sort of focuses around um amyloids and microclots potentially forming atrial fibrillation and the well the upshot of mass spike exposure is that it causes uh, micro-clotting, amyloidogenic clots in long COVID, also in those exposed to vaccines and uh, the, hang on a second, Uh, wave. Yes, there we go. Um, and, you know, the, the question sh- should be, or, or across everyone's mind is, was this done deliberately? And, you know, it's it's quite useful to see that montage and um, cool video effects and clips put together by RADS there because there's a, there's a number of things in there which tell you that there was this very, very coordinated response, and that was global and you know I'm not I'm not one of those retards who thinks that uh viruses aren't real etc but for sure it was giving a helping hand and who who had the power to do that and who had the power to make sure that we were lined up or they attempted to line everyone up such that we had 13 billion doses and approximately, oh, let's say half, half the population, um, exposed via gene transfection of this same peptide, and you know maybe it was, uh, it was uh, you know just a, a consequence of uh, our interconnected world and uh, too many tabletop exercises that oh they just happen to walk people into. Uh, <laughs> into that slaughter pen and uh they just had your best intentions uh at hand I'm right now holding a very sceptical position about that, particularly as we learn more and more about the molecular biology which uh, was deployed, and it's from the molecular biology that we should be able to extrapolate out and then um, look, once you understand that, then the emergent pathologies tend to uh, make a lot more sense. And the, the simple fact is we have to account for the fact that we're seeing uh, this sustained death. And, you know, as far as I can tell, it's continuing. Um, latest ethical skeptic uh, point to the same thing, pointing at cardiac deaths as well. And so how can you kill people with cardiac um cardiac events, uh, particularly at a time period extended way out from when the person likely received uh, the exposure. And the... Wait, what's this? New study from Barrick Lab at UNC warns that coronavirus strain known as swine acute diarrhea uh, coronavirus that emerged from bats and has been infecting swine herds throughout China since its first discovered in 2016 New evidence confirms that the strain already has this potential to spread to humans as well yeah um, the those swine flu and those with people are involved in it as well. Um, you can go back and find them uh, working on that technology uh, on those viruses and um, yeah of of course like i say you it 's incumbent upon you to realize this isn 't this ain't your old uh, your old paradigm anymore.
2: It's very great. Hi, Kevin. How are you doing?
0: Hi, listen,
4: how are you?
2: You know, we don't need atomic. Hey, doing really well. Um, real quickly, uh, can we get a count to ten, real quick? In the radio One, two, uh, broadcast, three, host like Charles four, Sykes were saying. Five, well, what six, about Social seven, Security eight, and all nine, these federal ten. ties? Well, okay. Yep, everything uh, sounds pretty good to me, CJ. Uh- There's also something to be said about being under this multinational corporatist control of lobby politicians that don't represent you. That being said, when we come back from break, Kevin McCarran will be joining us, talking about brain chip implants, Neuralink, and a whole bunch more. Don't go anywhere. I'm Cristan Thiers. You're listening to The American Journal.
1: Uh, Hey, Kevin, real quickly. Um, We've got about two minutes before we get started. Um, I'll let Kristan know that you're uh, ready to go, Um, but I was going to ask, if you could go into your system settings and where you selected your mic, if you could take
2: that mic volume down, maybe just a few decibels. How's that? That's better. Okay, no problem. Yeah, yeah, okay. Everything is uh, great on our end. Did you have a question for me before we get started?
4: Uh, no, I kind of get the tenor of what we're going to be talking about. You want neuro warfare and uh, Elon Musk and brain implants, right? Yeah, that that sounds uh, a lot like what Chris had in mind. Okay, yeah, I'm ready to, ready to go.
2: Tuned in to the American Journal with your host, Kristan Harris. Neuralink, brain chip interfaces, brain chip warfare, and so much more. What is the potential? How does it work? Dr. Kevin McCairn, PhD from Korea Brain Research Institute, joins us to dive into the potential of what Neuralink is, the pros, the cons, and a whole bunch more. Dr. Kevin McCairn, welcome to the broadcast. How are you doing today?
4: Hi Christian, How are you?
2: I'm doing wonderful. And this technology looks like it could be a very double-edged sword. And for the listeners out there that don't understand how the brain works and don't understand this technology, in layman's terms, how does it work?
4: Something like Neuralink. Uh, so first of all, which what we should establish here is uh, what you're seeing with Neuralink is, is not new. We've been implanting electrodes into the brain for decades now. It's a very well-established technique in research domain where I, where I was involved. And the, what's happened with Neuralink is, apart from the slick marketing, is they've managed to take the uh, like all electronics and computing they've managed to miniaturize it to some degree there you go you can see it on the screen they've got a interesting technology with respect to uh using a what is essentially a robot surgeon to eventually to essentially plant the electrodes into the brain and one of the things that they're touting is that their ultra thin electrodes are basically more biocompatible and the previous generations uh, brain machine interfaces often what you get is scarring around electrodes and the uh, the device becomes useless. They think they might have cracked those problems and uh, I suppose you know if you want to look at the future perhaps we're a step closer to a uh, consumer, consumer device that uh, can be um, implemented on a wider scale, but right now it's for uh, people who are uh, quadriplegic, um, locked-in syndrome, etc. And this will allow them to interact with a computer to move a cursor. Once you can move a cursor, you can do uh, anything. Anything you can do on a computer, basically.
2: Yeah. So basically, you can actually control a cursor on a computer, which is wonderful if you think about it. Uh, You'll be able to um, access a computer if you can't move your hands. You'll be able to communicate, maybe uh, send a message on Facebook or uh, send a text on a cell phone just using this brain chip interface. And I know that there's been a lot of studies dealing with this. And so this could have some revolutionary components for humanity in general. We got a commercial break coming up in a minute here, uh, doctor, but uh, what are your thoughts on the capabilities on that? And if we can't finish it in this segment, we can dive into it more uh, across the the river here. Uh,
4: in terms of capabilities, there's nothing I've seen that hasn't been demonstrated already. You've got wireless um, BCI tech. You've got predictive. Uh, algorithms decoding the neural recordings to enable you saw the monkey there being able to play the game there was no wires attached to him etc this uh, this has been extant for uh, many many years so uh, that's uh that's that's what i think there where, where does it go well of course you can think about military applications in this instance and again what does it mean for people who uh, think that they need this or perhaps we may need it just because of the uh, the direction that computing is taking. It's something I would disagree with, but other people might argue that.
2: Yeah, it's a wild thought and it's a wild future. We're going to dive into this uh, in a whole bunch more in just a few minutes. Kevin McCair, PhD, is our guest. We're talking brain chip interfaces. What are some military applications? What will the potential be in the future? Will you be able to download information, share Thoughts and memories. Is it hackable? All that and a whole bunch more when we come back from break. Hey, Kevin, uh, yeah. we're on break here. Is, uh, what would you like to all dive into? Like, what are some of the things that you would want? What direction, I guess, would you like to go
4: uh I, I think my primary concern is how um corporations would use this data i mean I, you know i see you frying up my twitter handle on um the screen there and look i'm search banned even on the new free speech platform that is twitter and x and um you know all pretense made towards these being um liberating technologies all the time that you have these corporations behind them and you don't um comply with their diktats um they they have a button to basically erase you or silo you
2: okay we're gonna be going back here Um, i'll be back You're tuned in to the American Journal with your host, Kristan Harris. Dr. Kevin McCarron is our guest, and we're diving into some of the concerns dealing with the brain chip interface amongst other things. And we should probably do deal with the 20, they'll give us 80% results. When they ever talk about setting plans and businesses, you take out the big rocks first and then you're left with the little stuff to deal with. So what are we facing first as far as you know, we mentioned some of the benefits. You can walk again, maybe it can cure epilepsy, the brain chip interface, but What's going to happen to all the metadata and how can it be used? And I know that you mentioned to me on commercial break that you're shadow banned everywhere. First of all, let's start there. Why are you being banned by the social media Mongols and uh, kings and queens there?
4: Uh, Because I spoke out very vehemently about what happened with SARS-CoV-2. That was very obviously uh, the consequence of biowarfare medical countermeasures research. Um, I spoke up very early. I've been very critical of the way that they forced compliance into people to basically take a next gen technology that involves gene engineering tools to as a public health measure um and this you know people talk about the uh, the well how much what what, what what we can fear from brain-machine interfaces, etc. The amount of compliance that I saw over the last four years to those diktats, um, it was probably less so in the United States, but it was still significant. You don't need these brain-machine interfaces. It's enough with a telephone and uh, pumped-out media messaging to get uh, billions of people to do what you want and line up and have themselves exposed to these products from biowarfare research. Um, it was it was quite astounding, really. And to talk about that was to uh, incur censorship. Look at the Twitter files. Um, people like myself were censored deliberately right from the very beginning as we tried to raise warnings about what it was that you were dealing with.
2: You know, it's interesting. You know, they censored Malone. I know I got a chance to interview him, uh, amongst other things. When you're talking about these gene weapon warfare, where they can just edit or DNA print some kind of, Uh, chemical or disease or uh, print out a vaccine, it's kind of wild, this next level of gene therapy, because it sounds promising where you can just program, uh, let's say, uh, a vaccine to go after cancer or a vaccine to target AIDS. But what kind of repercussions are there? And when you go out and you speak against the big pharma medical mongols there's definitely some repercussions. I know that my channel, The Rundown Live, was banned on YouTube because we even mentioned that it was possible that this uh, virus came from a lab in Wuhan. Mm -hmm. And um, it's wild. And they are definitely all about censoring people that hurt their bottom line and profits. And that's something definitely experts do when they speak out. And that's not really science. You're not going to have a debate on these subjects. That's why we're here. And that's why we're uh, using this platform to discuss these things.
4: Um, well, I'm glad you are. I just add the caveat. Um, I don't think uh, it was. It didn't just come out of Wuhan. That was decades of research, and it's got the fingerprints of uh, U.S. Five Eyes biowarfare programs all over it as well. And the yeah, these these people are. Um, what's the phrase? Full spectrum dominance. They want full spectrum dominance over everything. Uh, That includes your media and that includes your communications. That includes your health and bodily autonomy. Um, Where the brain chips fit into that at this stage, um, I'm not too sure. I would be very concerned about how they would try to to use that tech if they had it available to them. Um, But the uh, the simple fact is, I mean, you know, you've got a large audience and I would um, implore the American people just to um, take, take stuff and, and, and check what it is that uh, not only your government, but the corporations uh, in their public-private partnerships, where they're the stakeholders and you're the product. Um, l- look how these people see you and look what they think to your God-given rights in this instance. Um, you are nothing but a product to them to be uh, used and abused. And they basically use very sophisticated um, neuropsychological techniques to um, convince you that the, the choice they want is what you want. And this, these are dangerous times.
2: So let's say these brain chip interfaces are being installed. Would they be able to monitor neural technology that's injected via vaccine or maybe even control it? In the future or is that too far-fetched
4: no it's, it's not too far-fetched so there are forms of brain machine interfaces that use uh small um, nanoparticles that can be steered in via magnets i mean that's sort of at the cutting edge um with respect to you you, you want something that's um as minimally invasive as possible ne- uh, neuralink is invasive that's like the old style tech you've got a Carve out a hole in the skull. You've got to puncture electrodes into the brain, and you know they're looking for ever more um, subtle ways of getting these uh, these devices in. Are we at the stage where yeah they might be able to record activity? But the real the real question is, can you write activity to the brain? And I, I can tell you from uh, over twenty years' experience of trying to get monkeys to do. Um, what you want them to do with far more encompassing tech, basically in terms of anatomical areas and functional areas, it's not it's not so easy. So in terms of forcing onto people, I'm, I'm less concerned. But the you know where, where this technology goes and where the uh, materials science leads us is anyone's guess and again the fact that it's in the hands of what are technocratic totalitarians at the moment that have very very little regard for uh your sovereignty or your country's sovereignty
2: i'll add well what kind of data can the brain chip interface collect on you like that could you know it could be used um so something like uh the neuralink where
4: it's very constrained in the areas that it's uh a- accessing data from so it'll it'll be on a part of the area that's responsible for um limb movement sensory motor control and so it'll have some feedback as to like so if you you have the desire to move the cursor Right, so there will be a bunch of neurons that encode that in the area that they're recording, and they'll be able to tell that will they be able to tell that um you've took a crafty uh, I don't know. Look at uh, websites that you shouldn't be, etc. I, I, I don't think so. Not at this stage. But the tech's already there to do that. Anyway, there you, you've got to go to extraordinary lengths these days to cover your digital footprint, and you know those uh, those VPNs, uh, nothing more than um, NSA funneling networks, and where they're just uh, harvesting your data. Anyway, so um, you know that type of tech very minimally and look you can even get gaming headsets where you know you can just plop them on your head and it'll it'll work out you don't have to use your hands to move your computer and so uh, there's like i say we're very much on the cusp of uh uh well, I, I guess I came from like the Model 4T era, and now we're getting far more into uh, more automated, ve- very focused design with um, very, very erudite uh, engineers. And uh, like I say, the technology gets ever smaller and more powerful. So um, I guess we just have to wait and see. And, you know, military um, programs and um, dark. Our project programs were for sure will be looking at this type of tech because if you've got something that's buried in your skull and in your brain, you may be able to uh let's say get past most um most security controls with respect to are you bringing in bugs et cetera to meetings you know these are these are all things to take into account, and you know the the ethicists has, have failed us. Uh, radically, and that's because they're in the pockets of the corporations as well.
2: So one of the things I've been looking at and researching is the next level and the next step, and it seems like there's a big push for what they call as non-invasive mm. brain-computer in- interfaces, and these are uh, no longer implanted into the brain, but let's say 10, 20 years in the future uh, is it feasible to think oh well, even now I've seen it where you can put on what looks like to be a visor that Geordi uses in Star Trek and uh you can control drones just yep. with your dots yep yep that's... in military
4: applications we're we're very much uh, that that's extant technology right now um you know again there's the uh the choice of the individual to uh, to put on the visor etc so they haven't they haven't cracked that particular nut you can still say no but the seductive um aspect of being able to uh use this technology and you know there's there's a good example um <laughs> just look I, I got my kids playing with vr this christmas and you know they went to it like ducks to water and the um you know the is, is, uh, is there going to be a boom in, um, you know, r- robots like that? Or are they, um, are they essentially going to, you know, I know we're on Infowars, going to shrink us down to uh, a prison planet where there are far fewer of us and the, uh, the jobs are done by robots and the ones that are left do have some sort of, uh, you could think of it as a restraining collar through, uh, through a brain machine interface and look there are there are places that i could put electrodes into the brain that would be very coarse but i could use very sort of uh, you could think of it as operant type conditioning so there you can see that epop um, headset and that's just uh picking up off um EEGs event related potentials and um you know it's down to the speed of the computing there to be able to understand that you're engaged in a task and you want the uh the target of that task to do uh certain certain behaviors you know fly a drone um towards the uh towards the enemy and uh take them out and that's if if anyone's been paying attention to what's been happening in the Ukraine, which is a another globalist new world order, um, push for, uh, push for power. Um, what's, what to me has been the most frightening thing is this, uh, rapid increase in the use of drone technology and the ability to hunt down individual soldiers on the battlefield such that, you know, <laughs> Dumb old weapons like uh, guided bombs and what have you—you you could at least run for cover. But this, these things will follow you under cover and take you out there, and that's a very disturbing thought.
2: Yeah, slaughter bots. they are yeah. small. They come in in big swarms, like a swarm of bees, and there's no place to hide unless you got an EMP, and it's. It's scary. It's terrifying. I mean, there's an Amazon drone just delivering packages. Now imagine that times a thousand and there's no place to hide. And maybe if you have one of these Brain chips or uh, these chips, and you're a, a offender. They can send them out to arrest you, or uh, not. You not only that, terminate you on the battlefield, and you better listen to what the government says. Otherwise, the evil slaughterbot drone or police drone is going to come and get you. And I'm not saying that's happening into the, in the extreme now, but it also takes is one of these headsets. And somebody's going to be able to control a bro- drone with their thought. It's like something straight out of X Men. Like an evil villain with Magneto puts on a helmet and he controls all the drones, and he's like, "Do my evil bidding!" And they all fly around, just killing everyone. And there's got to be protection or some kind of like uh, safeguards put in place. This is this is definitely an ethical question. What do we do? And what are some solutions? Like just think about it. You'll be able to drive a car without your hands, just putting on one of these helmets potentially in the future, and all that metadata and all that information that will be collected, um, you know, what are they doing with it, man? These drones and this warfare, the idea that you'll be able to share thoughts with other soldiers, because they're talking about, they're already implanting soldiers with chips. Like, what what, what do you see, where do you see this going in a a few years here?
4: Uh, Big picture. Like I said, um, far less of us far less of people being able to speak up and out against what these corporate corporations and organisations have um, planned, or, or what they would desire, and the space within which you can express your own individuality, your um, your sovereignty is going to be severely curtailed, and the uh, you know the, there's the iconic. Well, I've said it's iconic dystopian view of um, 15 minute cities, etc. And um, they're all, it's all heading towards that direction. And, um, you know, unless the people say no to this type of technology, the problem is they just make it so seductive that people will want to have this technology and it will, um, it will no doubt imbue advantages to people that use it um if you have a rapid access and i don't think you even need to be directly into the brain you just need some some ability to retinally project and you can have that information you know everything sort of popping up in front of you as a sort of uh, mixed vr uh type experience where everyone's name is in front of you what they have for breakfast who made, all, that, all that stuff could be there and also all the stuff that they would rather keep um private and the um, you know i'm i'm kind of hopeful that the uh the american um spirit let's say in this instance is going to act as a bulwark against it but the uh the corporations are very very strong in in the US the transnationally and um yeah for for the moment it's uh, I'm not that hopeful put it that way
2: Dr. Kevin McCarron's is our guest, and we're just diving into the stata brain chip interfaces. Now, you mentioned something very interesting because uh, I spoke with a former whistleblower. She's now passed. Her name's Rosa Quarry, and she worried or, uh, warned about UN Agenda 21. Now it's UN Agenda 2030 and 15-minute cities. Well, I'm seeing now that they're creating AI-run cities where they sell it as when you walk into a bar, it'll know what kind of beer or mixed drink you want before you get there. Um, and the idea that AI is going to run cities. We're going to have AI run government. And it's very feasible to think that maybe AI will be running a lot of these swarms of drones, even in warfare, and they're going to eliminate the whole human aspect of things. It's just neat that humans can control it. But let's be honest, AI would be a lot more surgical, probably be more accurate. And is there a danger with AI for the potential of it to be able to maybe... Download itself into a brain computer interface, or even take over somebody's body in the Mm. future.
4: Um, Well, there's there's two two aspects there. I mean, the the thought of me or walking into a place where I choose to go, and they they it instantly know what I desire, etc. As I sit down and haven't even looked at the menu. Um, Again, I just uh, I find that thought incredibly disturbing um i would uh, again just try to try your best to say no to these technologies um in terms of being able to download and take over um a body um look i've i've done far more in terms of like i say brain areas and trying to modulate behavior in a way and you know you can think of it as being sort of ai driven governance of the the monkey in this particular instance uh, in order to get him to do a bunch of behaviors so i, I can uh, get the f- get the data from his brain and feed back in um a type of stimulus where i could uh, alter his ongoing behavior but the uh, the simple fact is if the monkey don't want to do it um, it doesn't matter how much you send in in terms of uh stimulation etc it doesn't it doesn't really um do much per se um you know you can uh t- you can knock the monkey out if you like if you want to use anesthesia etc but um the uh, taking over the body per se requires a hijacking of the will of the individual and i i think there are far well, they're already expert at it, uh, um, using social programming, and um, I'm not saying it's not possible through these machines. I just think it's a little, it's it's a little way off. And you know, like I say, after the last four years, um, you know, which de facto was um, bio-warfare, which anyway you look at it, and um, they got billions and billions of people to do what they want uh, over extended periods of time. They don't need to get into your brain to do that, and the um that's that's the technology that people should really fear at the moment um a widget that can help you uh unlock your car et cetera and um not not so much and yeah and then of course you have the who's controlling that data that they're scraping off your brain um again uh, I don't. If, if we've learned anything is that these corporations are fallible um, they take the 23 and me um, leak that happened where they lost the genetic records of I don't know what it was uh, over 6 million people i think and yeah we're walking into an age where you can uh, what's more dangerous is that we're walking into a, a a paradigm where you can have far more targeted um biology synthetic biology and technology to um, go after an individual, and again, this will come down to: Are you a um, dissident, uh, or do you have views that are deemed unacceptable by uh, AI um, algorithms? And again, that should that should frighten anyone, particularly again after what we've seen over the last uh, the last four years. Um, there's, I you know, I'm not a Luddite. In this instance, I think the technology could be great, but it's just it's there open for abuse. And like I say, we've seen that our um, institutes don't care. Uh, you know, SARS, just to bring back to that example, we know was a was a consequence of DOD research, tightly coupled with corporations. And it was rolled out and your your rights didn't apply when they said so and in this instance it'll become harder and harder to speak out and that's the situation that we're, or I find myself in right now and um you know most if you go and touch their hot button topics you can be sure that you'll be shut down and the you know i can just see the black clad goons there on the on the screen um they don't need brain chip implants they just need that walkie-talkie and the set of marching orders and they'll get ready to lay the jackboot in as soon as you step out of line
2: well that's the way it is we're heading to commercial break here in just a minute but kevin mccarran is our guest phd we're talking brain chip interfaces and i have to mention it's interesting you're right Uh, They can program you just with words. The process of giving words meaning isn't called wording, it's called spelling. What does it mean to cast a spell? And when you stitch those words together, they call it a curse. Hmm, I wonder what they could be doing if they're casting a spell on all Americans and programming them, just like TV shows are called TV programs. Who are they programming? And I want you, the listener, to think about, are you a program? And if you are, what kind of program are you running? Are you running the Freedom Program run by InfoWars or that of the mainstream media? Or are you in control of your own program? I'm your host, Chris T. Harris, filling in for Harrison Smith. You're listening to The American Journal. We'll be back in just a few minutes. Hey, Dr. McCarron, just want to let you know that um, we will be back in about three minutes, 30. Uh, Chris just uh, wanted me to let you know that, um, you know, if you need to use the uh, the restroom or get a glass of water, we got about three minutes. And uh, we'll be coming back and uh, taking a couple calls just on the topic. Okay. Sure. Sure. Thank you. Hey, Kevin, you okay with us opening up phone lines, taking some phone calls? I don't know if I put through here, guys. Unless he ran to the bathroom. Oh, yeah, it's okay. We said he could. That works. Not that he had to listen to us anyways. Hey, Kevin, thank you so much for joining us today, by the way. Oh. We got Kevin still?
4: Yeah, I'm here. Sorry, just took it to the bathroom.
2: Hey, thank you thank you so much for joining us today in such short notice. I know uh, Ron Patton hooked us up, but are you okay with us taking phone calls?
4: Yeah, no problem.
2: You got a little bit of time? Uh, like, yeah, I've got as much, the, much like, time as you need. Okay, thank you so much. These topics are great and interesting. And it's a sci-fi future. And I think that diving into some of these topics are very interesting and important. Uh, you know, I want to, br- is there any other points you want to bring up? Um,
4: well, there are a few things that we could bring up, and particularly in terms of the directions that they might have, t- have taken us. And, um, you know, I mentioned that they could be, uh, you know, people talk about active depopulation agendas. I'm looking. Okay, let's at, talk about that. Yeah, sure. Okay. Uh,
2: yeah, the- we're just uh, we're ending commercial break here, so I got to jump back in. So mm. hang in there, Kevin. Thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate it. Okay. Watching the American Journal with your host, Kreston Harris. Dr. Dr.
1: Kevin,
2: McCarran, Kevin McCarran from the of Brain, Brain, Brain Research Institute is our guest. going to open the line if you want to get into this conversation. conversation, conversation the phone number is one 877 789 559 8777 789 7, 8, 9, 9, 30 grab, grab your cell phone, phone type in, in the number, number punch, it punch it in With, with a, with a brain, brain chip,
4: you can just think it, it and Make the phone, phone call in the, in the future Kiddincha, Kevin, Kevin. Uh, is, Did that go through to me? I, I'm hearing like double voices from you If you can hear me
2: Oh, okay, oh, okay. So, so you, you got gots, uh, some music some... running in the background uh, No, guys, you guys got like an echo
4: on your your end For some reason Okay Oh, it's gone now.
2: Um, okay, yeah, so we got it fixed. apologize about that. But, yeah, the question was directed at you, uh, controlling your smartphone, diving into that. Uh, you'll be able to do that in the future, which is really interesting. And uh, I think that's something that they're saying, because now you're saying you can control a cursor on the computer monitor. Obviously, dialing a phone might not be so different and be connected to your cell phone via brain chip. Uh, I know that was uh, kind of an intro to bring in, but I kind of wanted to dive in more so on the idea of eugenics and where this technology leads. Because there are, is a cult of eugenicists out there that believe that they want to call the world. And the billionaires got together in 2009. They called the Good People Organization to decide what they're going to do about this, quote, overpopulation, end quote. When in reality, uh, it seems like the population could be shrinking.
4: Uh, yes, and shrinking maybe faster than uh, people realize at the moment. And you know, the the question becomes, how would these eugenicists? And I'm I've reached the point, and I've had to step into this space very reluctantly. You know, I came into this as SARS was uh, the product of this biowarfare medical countermeasures industry initially I just thought it was a lab leak, but I had to move into that space, realize that the, there are these out-of-control biowarfare programs and there are um, these eugenicists who have, the, they talk openly about what they think about you and the, the, they think that there are too many of you. And the sort of tech that they're talking about, you know, that we're talking about, the sort of sci-fi stuff, well, you want a population that's much smaller and perhaps uh, a population that's far more cowed. And you know what we've what we've been through. People people once ask me, well, how do how do they um, how do they get the population down? Right? You're talking uh, they're talking getting rid of sixty seventy percent of the population in order to holy achieve, cow yeah in order to achieve what they perceive as some sort of homeostasis where they maintain their apex predator position and i can tell you this again look at what just happened over the last four years they they delivered 13 billion shots and into at least 4 billion people now i want people to stop thinking viruses aren't real or things like graphene or other nanobots in that um in that shop there's something there's it's in the molecular biology where you can perhaps find the answer of what it is that they've done and I can explain it in a way I hope that most people can sort of grasp onto and this is a primarily American audience. Um, everyone got exposed via the, va- via the virus and the vaccine itself to a series of um, epitopes, meaning sure chains of proteins that we know cause the formation of prions and prions if its full uh, definition means proteinaceous infectious particles this is what's impacting your deer population in the u.s right now it's what hit the uk with mad cow etc and these are long term you could essentially think of them as soft kill because the time from exposure to the time of death is extended. And please don't get caught in the trap of thinking, oh, prions is just all neurological. No. Um these misfolded proteins can manifest disease at every organ system. And what do we what do we see right now? Well we see well, the US was particularly bad in terms of um, initial casualties around SARS, excuse me. Um, but we're continuing to see a sustained increase in all cause mortality around 10%. And how are those people dying? Well, it's turning out that it's, um, cardiac events and, um, the old people got taken out with dementia very, very quickly during the, um, the preceding four years. And the cardiac events, we they don't really understand what's happening because they expect they they're trying to look through the model of normal um, cardiac disease mechanisms, um, blocked arteries, um, you know, heart failure, the um, valve disease, etc. But when you've got these protein misfolding disorders happening, you can have um, a, a, a breakdown of the organ tissue and the uh, the substrate that makes it work the heart is an electrical organ and the um these misfolded proteins can target these uh, these organ systems and they've done it in a way that um is now hands off and you want to understand why people are just, you know I just see on the screen, um, young people are dying. Um, like I say, it's probably a combination of all that they've done in the last four years. Don't get ideologically possessed around, oh, it's, it's just vaccines. That virus was out there as well. We do not know how they interact with each other. And the issue around these misfolded proteins is that once they're formed, they're very, very difficult to um, remove from the individual, but also from the environment. They last for years. They get taken up by plants, and this is how it's spreading among deer. What's potentially happened is what's technically termed a super prion event. And right now, we could be in a situation where these eugenicists have set that off in motion. All the molecular biology points that way. And they're they're just biding their time now as this super prion event cascades through the um, populace. And it doesn't matter. I hate to drop this black pill. It doesn't matter if you avoided the shots. You you dodged that particular bullet. If you're in an environment where these people are now shedding these prions, and they do, that's how it spreads via deer. It comes out the urine, the feces, um, bodily fluids, um, anything, sweat. Breath, And these can hang around on any and all surfaces and are infectious at the femtogram level. That's how that. if you want, if you asked me how I could think of a way to um, achieve that eugenicist wet dream, that's how I would do it. And there are the fingerprints right
2: now that they may have done this already. Well, not only that, they'll vampirically siphon all your wealth off of you while you die, right? Because you're going to need to go to the doctor. What choice do you have if you're dying or you're sick or you continue to get sick? So it's just like this cash cow of uh, return business and life long, uh, you know, consumership and they don't really care about you. They care about the bottom line. They care about their globalist eugenicist plan, getting us in those little FEMA regions, uh, you know, you know, diving into this. And it's scary to think about that. We've, we've been warmed about this. People have been talking about this for years. There have been whistleblowers discussing this very subject. We've talked about the Georgia Guidestones. We've talked about the Bilderberg organization, potentially uh, hypothetically, pushing this agenda. We talked about the United Nations potentially having secretive meetings. They had the good people meeting of uh, elitist billionaires who got together and talked about calling the world. Why wouldn't they make profit off of you while you die? I'm just asking you, the listener, think about this for just one minute. And maybe when we come back, Kevin, we can talk about ways we can protect each other or protect yourself against this. And if you want to get in on this conversation, the phone number is one is 1-877-789-2539, 1-877-789-2539. You're listening to The American Journal. I'm your host, Kristan T. Harris of The Rundown Live, Milwaukee's independent news and talk radio, filling in for Harrison Smith. And we'll be back after these messages from our... Up with nitric boost 40% off. That's right. Head on down to the InfoWars door and support the fight against the new world order and these evil eugenicists. We need your help. The only radio program out there that's making headway and that's 100% listener funded. This is your program, funded and supported by you, the listener. Head on down to InfoWars.com. Brainforce is also a wonderful supplement I use, Survival Shield X2, and I use that almost daily. Love the product here over at the InfoWars store, and you need to dive into it as well. Nitric Boost is now on sale. Great product to oxidize the bloodstream, uh, get that blood work full, uh, flowing. Our guest today is Kevin W. McCarron, Ph.D., from the Brain Institute in Korea. Kevin, I appreciate you joining us in this last segment here. Uh, before we get into it, can you plug where listeners can find you and where they can find out more about you?
4: uh sure well if you just want to um find out about my academic career just just for uh, accuracy' sake i'm no longer at the career brain research institute um once you've once you've stepped out on the dissident pathway and speaking out the way that i do um uh, you don't you don't get to stay in those institutes and that's how they control people but if you want to find me um at nest commander on twitter um you'll have to complete it uh to to get there um, they won't they won't auto prompt you uh, go to mccarndojo.com so my last name M W C A I R N, dojo like karate dojo.com all my links are there i do stream and talk about this stuff on a daily basis uh, i tend to do deep dives through the scientific papers of the day looking at how this technology is emerging and what the um, what these eugenicists have planned for you and make no bones about it they they have their eyes on your bones and uh, like you said extracting everything from you that they can
2: so let's talk about solutions here this last segment Mm -hmm. we got to leave people some hope Mm -hmm. right there's a way to fight this there's a way that we can come out on top and you mentioned some of those things so first of all how do we protect protect yourself against shedding what are some ways to protect yourself against uh what the eugenicists have planned, what do you see? What are some precautions we can take?
4: Well, the obvious one is just mitigation, but in terms of uh, the long game with respect to what what would what's classed as a super prion event, and that's uh essentially genetic diversity, so uh the ability of future generations to adapt and um make sure that these uh that they' What the polymorphisms, meaning the subtle changes that you make within your own prion protein, the, the evolutionary pressure acts on that, and you want that those generations to get through. And the way to do that is, um, you need plenty of children. Don't listen to these people when they say the world is overpopulated. Um, <laughs> you you need children, lots of them. And um, the other advice, if you can, is um, stay away from uh, the cities where the at the the corporate hand is strongest, and look, I I get it. We're all connected to it somehow. Look, I've got a fiber optic connection to my internet service provider, etc. I'm not um, I'm not locked up in the woods with a little satellite dish doing this. But um, you know, I make sure that my interaction with these corporations is to a minimum um i'm and you know you you'll lose every time you go and play on their grounds or in their courts, so make your own um build build out those local communities and um it doesn't just have to be the people next to you, you find like minded people online and uh you know that's what I try and do, and um you know I think um knowledge is power and um it's better to uh, um demystify a lot of this technology um, but also be um cognizant of the fact that yeah when these people are straight up telling you that they want less of you and if the last four years was not enough of a (laughs) a harsh lesson in how far they'll go and that's that's just the beginning of what they can do um you you'll get taken out with it. And, you know, you've got to be careful about you know, there's a lot of um bad information out there. Like I said, but I've had to spend a lot of my time just trying to um <laughs> argue the fact that biowarfare agents are real. Um they are they are damn real, as are the uh the binary components to these weapons now, which are the um, delivery of these peptides through gene, en- gene engineering technologies. I mean, I would be surprised if they could pull that tactic off again anytime soon. But as I said earlier, um, I can look at the molecular biology. I can see the signature for the um, prion-catalyzing epitopes. They're there. And the, uh, the epidemiological data would appear to um, support that contention and until i until i see otherwise um i'm going to treat it like everyone should treat it as a biological warfare um attack um i see you've got the special virus cancer program on there as well that's the roots or a lot of the roots to what we're dealing with and um they they reached this point they managed to get viral technologies down where they were able to hone the functional epitopes down for specific results and it's my contention that they've weaponized prions and now you've got to adapt to get through that and you know (laughs) if you're my age etc your your only hope is or my only hope is the children and the grandchildren that come next and hope that um, that they adapt but you can go look in the literature check uh, for something called super prion um, you can read about it there. that was a um massive uh evolutionary bottleneck, meaning there were literally just handfuls of survivors in the past um, they're potentially looking for that again, and they 're probably looking to offer solutions to this um this problem that they may have initiated and uh, how many of us are going to refuse the medical help when they 're basically saying uh they may have, they may even come up and say oh look we uh, we goofed up." Uh yeah, we were making these programs. We thought we were doing our best, and now we've gone and exposed you to these um, pre-catalyzing agents. Very, very few people will refuse the uh, medical help that comes with that. Um, I don't know. I don't know how to get around that, but um, you know, diet is an important one. Um, I think there are ways of slowing it down uh but um yeah the f- the future looks a little unstable at the moment and uh i would encourage people to um think and act accordingly
2: kevin a quick question final thoughts on uh elon musk neuralink program uh do you think it's going to be beneficial or do you think it's going to lead to a dystopic future where the government's going to want to control or know all your thoughts at all times. And like you said, they don't need a brain chip to do that. They're already doing it through uh, propaganda and such. But uh, is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? How do you feel it's going to go here in the last two minutes?
4: Well, it's like any technology. Look, if you're, if you're um, paraplegic and can't function from the neck down, it's a good thing. Um, if you're one of the um the drones out there that just has to have the latest um corporate corporate black rectangle because it's got a few extra megapixels and um can run i don't know i see they've got ai um engineered phones now etc and you know all that all those things are great but what are you giving away when you sign the contracts to use those apps and use those devices every time you're stepping into the uh the corporate sphere and once you're in their domain um you're always uh surrendering some some degree of sovereignty um so kevin
2: Go, Go ahead and give out your uh, where people can find you once again. Thanks for joining us today on today's broadcast. I just wanted you to have a chance to uh, let our listeners know where they can follow you.
4: Okay, sure. Um, so, again, um, you can follow me on Twitter at Nest Commander. Um, my website, if you want to find social media links, is mccanndojo.com. I stream on Rumble most days. I have my own streaming platform. We talk, you listen dot com and uh yeah I like I say I talk about this stuff nearly every day um because there's so much to get through and um you know the I, I I'm not um I'm not happy to be talking about things like super prions, but that's where the um data points at the moment. And um you know I'm I'm not on their side. I think what they've done is reprehensible and um the the I think there are ways through this. And we Kevin, that.
2: we need more brave people like you out there. We appreciate you for joining us on the American Journal and your time. Thank you again for joining us. I'm your host, Cristan T. Harris. You can find more about me on the rundownlive.com. Filling in for Harrison Smith. Don't go anywhere. Alex Jones is right around the corner. All right. It's cool. Just end hey kevin thank you so much for joining us Mm -hmm. i appreciate the opportunity and i'm sure your message was heard um this video will be cataloged and when it is i'll send it to you in the link so you can post it on your website and all the information it should be on rumble and multiple other platforms as well i appreciate you taking the time out of your day i know you have a busy schedule you've been on a lot of shows and i'm thankful that ron Patton could put us in contact with each other and I know it was last minute, so thank you very much from the bottom of my heart.
4: Oh, you're more than welcome, and uh, thank you for the chance to speak. It's uh, it's difficult to get this message out, as you can imagine.
2: Well, a lot of people were listening, so it did hopefully it fell on fertile soil, soil, and people will grow healthy ideas with it. I appreciate you, Kevin. Yeah,
4: thank you. You have a good day. You too. All right. Bye-bye. All right, uh, there we go. Um, <laughs> the, I don't even know what was, what was that, Christian, Tristan, Tristan, Tr- Christian T. Harris. Um, so yeah, that was last minute. Um, I, I want to say thank you to Elon Musk for uh, putting out Neuralink and uh, stoking some interest in the. Um, but well i would still be in that field if it wasn't this goddamn bloody biowarfare and prions <laughs> now now i've been sucked into that black hole and we've got to uh, we've got to try and figure out let's say like figure out i think i think we have enough data to hand to actually um work work our way towards what they've done and until until proven otherwise um you should you should assume that that's what they've done. take the eugenicists you can't hear me uh why can't you hear me it says it's working check check, check. is that not working? That's weird uh, is it working? It's okay all right um ba-ba-ba-ba-ba. I just I'm just waiting for feedback if uh, the mics working or not. I haven't pressed anything. So it's <laughs> I guess it's okay. Um is it working? I need to just sound check it's working. Thank you. All right. So um yeah what what can we do? I, what I wanted was uh to do some of the uh, science to hand and um the latest papers that have come out um let's see let's do this let's do this and let me find the paper uh, mm, 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 mm. let's see um just from my inside source uh, apparently in europe COVID is back again. Different symptoms, vomits and day one of fever up to 39 degrees, two days with diarrhea, crazy heartburn. First time I had it in 25 years. Extreme disgust for fatty foods or any kind of fat. It's like that for all of us. And jaw pain, teeth pain. Um, <laughs> well, that sounds wonderful. Um, all right. Uh, let's see. Uh, what was I doing? Yes. Uh, there's a paper that I want to look at. And I didn't put it in my show notes. Yes. Yet. Sorry. So it's here. And here it is. Although no doubt I have that open in the app. So we won't we're gonna take a look at fibrinoloid microclots and atrial fibrillation. Uh, no, 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 right. Download it again. So whilst that's downloading, um, let me just take this off. It's getting warm here. It's been such a mild winter. That goddamn climate change. <clears throat> Right. Uh let's see. Science. Uh they need that guest to bone broth supplement gap in the audio just like on TV. <laughs> yeah, I mean I could see all the ads being played on the background with respect to um <laughs> etc. Um I'm not I'm not stepping into that space just yet. I I'm sure. Some good quality bone broth uh, is what you should be eating. Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> what part, what system hasn't been touched by these uh, these fuckers? Not many, I would say. Let's see. Roller Podger says, "Fuck bus Tucker," and ever having Doc on. Um, look, eventually, the um, if the data keeps going the way it is, they'll have to. Um, they'll be forced to and then you're going to get people who try to talk about the topic and then if they haven't done the years of um work like i have and um maintained the uh the strict discipline of uh <laughs> top tier ship posting on the internet um they um, a, a lot of people. There's enough people now who are just going to know. Oh, that's that's what that Dr. McCann was talking about, and has been for uh, a long time. And so uh, you you just get palmed off with some uh, some pretender, but uh, you want you want the real deal. You want coon coon Power. All right, So uh, we're all carbon hogs. Um, yeah, they want you to think that, and the. These assholes uh you know what what's your what's your literally on subsistence level shuttling backwards and forwards to the supermarket? These people are um indulging themselves, indulging their appetites. And <laughs> there's something to be said for a good old workers revolution and uh, make those uh how should we say oligarch class, (laughs) feel some heat now and again, let them know let them know they can't just uh, replace us with robots whilst we've still got some grey matter left before we turn into some dribbling type sponge Uh, did this not download? I'm getting distracted, my ADHD Mm -hmm. download PDF yes open Ah, there it is All right mm-hmm. oh, well, so whilst it's doing that, let me do this I'll do this and uh do this and. See, i don't have a team of uh production <laughs> engineers <laughs> flicking to do stuff it was amazing right i whatever it is that i talked about boom there was some some uh some slide that they were able to bring up in real time and and show it on the screen um um but uh yeah we'll start here and go here let's do this um uh thanks to good doggy for that one. Worst hunting dog ever. I see I'm not on the uh, the screen here. Is it working? Well, camera, do your thing. Eee, there we go. Um <laughs> Right, so if you've wandered in here, wondering who I am, bit of housekeeping, uh let's uh, do this and uh yeah. You can find uh, as i said on the stream you can find all that uh all that old science malarkey that i used to do um you can see i was a legit scientist
0: i was a contender
4: until until i figured uh i wanted to help the human race more than uh the (laughs) the dystopian eugenicists whacking uh all sorts of uh digital control collars onto you and uh, the doc says not on his watch um, and of course, uh, what I would humbly ask is that you bookmark com. Uh, that big blue button behind my head, uh, you can use your usury cards, PayPal, Patreon, buy me a coffee, subscribe star, cryptocurrencies, Discord, gilded. And uh let's see uh you can be registered to be notified if you would like an email, and uh you can watch the stream live on McCann dojo, of course, and uh all that support as I try to um add uh should say wait to the resistance behind the uh the bulwark that is. <laughs> The tip of the spear is uh, Infowars and Alex Jones. Uh, I'm trying to do my own thing as well, and um of course, go to we talk you listen dot com. Um, what did it do? That what's going on? There we go. Uh, error in video list component. You need to reconnect. I don't know what you mean. Anyway, um you can watch the stream live there. And oh, did I, I thought I switched the chat on. Is that working? Have I fixed the chat? Uh, no. Eh, never mind. I don't know. It's supposed to uh, start each time I start the browser, but eh, it's not working. That goddamn tax evading blick of mine. See if it works now. Test. No. All right. <laughs> those of you watching on WTYL um, you've been forced into silence it's the, uh, it's the it's the corporate levers coming down on you and if I say you can't talk on there you can't talk um, I'm sure I'll have a, a crack at fixing that um some point alright so uh, that's uh, out the way um, that's, that's Kev pushing his bone broth uh, support support freedom Support alternatives to the corporations. I promise. <laughs> I ain't never becoming one. All right, so uh we wanted to do uh this paper. It's a review paper, but um reviews are sometimes interesting because they allow us to uh get a thirty thousand foot view of where we're at and as I was mentioning in the in the stream, we have to or in the interview that um there are signatures in SARS and in the peptides that they're thrown into you that uh could lead to a whole monopoly of um abnormal disorders or or, or diseases and um we have to think of them as protein uh misfolding in this instance, and it can happen above the neck and below the neck, and perhaps they fired uh, that weapon at you. So this is from uh, Douglas P. Cow and uh, Lithia Sia Pretorius, and um, let's dive in. So you know why? Why are people? Why are people keeling over all of a sudden? Why are young people suffering from heart conditions? So. Atrial fibrillation is a comorbidity of a variety of other chronic inflammatory diseases for which fibrinoloid microclots are a known accompaniment, and in some cases a cause with a mechanistic basis. Clots are, of course, a well-known consequence of atrial fibrillation. We here ask the question as to whether the fibrinoloid microclots seen in plasma or serum may, in fact, also be a cause or contributor to the development of atrial fibrillation. We consider known risk factors for... i am just call it AF from now on. <sighs> Excuse me. And in particular, exogenous stimuli such as infection and air pollution by particulates, both of which are known to cause... AF. The external accompaniments, both bacterial lipopolysaccharide and lipotechoic acids and viral SARS-CoV-2 spike protein infections are known to stimulate fibrinoloid microclots when added in vitro, and fibrinoloid microclots are cytotoxic by inducing hypoxia, reperfusion and other means. Strokes and thromboembolisms are also common consequences of atrial fibrillation. Consequently, taking a systems approach, we suggest that it's likely that microclots may well have an Etiological role in the development of atrial fibrillation. This has significant mechanistic and therapeutic implications. It does indeed. Um, it's why I think uh, one of the few few um, tools we have at our disposal, which probably probably may do something, is the um, plasma apheresis, where where we'll clean the blood of these amyloidogenic uh, debris. So anyway. Uh, do, 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 do. So, how long is this paper? For? <laughs> Let's just let me brace myself. Uh, lots of tables. Mm, yeah, maybe not so long. All right. So, atrial fibrillation is at once the commonest heart arrhythmia and a chief cause of death. Therefrom, its global incidence amounts to millions of individuals, possibly one percent population even 20 years ago its cost represented some 1% of the NHS budget with all these numbers on a rising trend albeit with large regional differences of incidence and or reporting. South Asia is said to be 12 times lower than North America well, that's because of all those fatty bum-bums over there in the US your diet's terrible eat more rice and fish instead of uh, fructose corn syrup So AF symptoms virtually by definition involve a supraventricular tachyarrhythmia with uncoordinated atrial electrical activation and consequently ineffective atrial contraction. Electrocardiographic characteristics of AF include irregular R to R intervals when atrioventricular conduction is not impaired, absence of distinct P waves and irregular atrial activations. Within this, there are, of course, AF subclasses with different levels of severity, especially as regards the various sequelae. AF is also associated with risk factors that rarely occur in isolation. Patients with AF are commonly associated with multimorbidity, polypharmacy and frailty. (laughs) That's called getting old with uh, major implications for treatment and outcomes the chief fear is that AF leads to an increased likelihood of a clot forming or residing within the atrial chamber from which it can then escape. And it is well recognized that those with AF are associated with mortality and morbidity from strokes. Mm, Lots of references there. Coronary heart disease, including myocardial infarction or both, and vice versa due to the buildup of blood flow, including macroclots in the relevant tissues. Note, however, that because AF is often asymptomatic and until recently was rarely screened for, many, most of these studies are actually post-hoc, i.e. they study the incidence of AF in people who have had cardiovascular events rather than the other way around, i.e. for our present purposes, the incidence of heart attacks and strokes in those with known pre-existing atrial fibrillation. Our purpose here is to recognize that a certain kind of fibrinoloid microclot um, or amyloidogenic clot, discovered by Pretorius in 2016, despite being in many ways a conventional blood clot formed by the polymerization of fibrinogen to fibrin, it's by virtue of its amyloid nature rather resistant to fibrinolysis and can persist in the circulation. The presence of these microclots, commonly in the 2 to 100 millimeter range, is known to occur in a variety of conditions that may lead to or accompany atrial fibrillation. And some of the molecules that catalyze their production, such as bacterial cell wall substances, are also, or, or the spike protein of SARS-CoV-2 are also known. The widespread existence of these fibrinoloid microclots also led us to wonder whether they might thus contribute to the actual genesis of atrial fibrillation. Recognizing this as a problem of systems biology, uh, the present overview sets out what is actually the considerable evidence for this view. We summarize our review in the form of a mind map. Uh, let's see. So introduction, risk factors, covariates, confounders, biases, coherence, what for microclots, risk factors for AF that are not to be seen as disease comorbidities, risk factors for AF based on lifestyle factors. Risk factors that are recognized as... An, eh, yeah, yeah, okay, we get it. Um, I'm going to read through it. So, risk factors, covariates, confounders of biases and coherence. So, much of modern analytics in medicine is concerned with identifying risk factors, most of which are really, in fact, covariates. To illustrate this point, we take a different cardiovascular disease, preeclampsia, where, because this is a disorder of pregnancy, we do at least know the time and nature of the origin of the pregnancy. Thus, we know that the likelihood of developing preeclampsia equivalent to B in figure one increases with certain preconditions. First pregnancy with the father, existing diabetes, maternal age, BMI, blood pressure, first visit, infection, etc. Uh, lots of references but a priori there is no way of knowing whether any of the above conditions are truly on a causal pathway or simply covariates and caused by other factors such as those labelled X and Y in figure 2 the infeasibility of establishing causality solely from measurements of variables is widely encapsulated in the mantra, correlation does not equal causation, although any covariation has the potential to contain useful information. Unraveling such relationships by causal inferencing either requires good longitudinal data and or better, affecting them as independent variables. Thus, the fact that the long-term use of antibiotics following a toxoplasma infection lowers the risk of preeclampsia by a massive 11-fold interesting, uh, along with a mass of other evidence, strongly implies an infectious origin for preeclampsia. But because these are not always even recognized, they do not appear in most lists of, uh, of risk factors. Overall, we find useful the principle of coherence, which indicates that if a variety of nominally orthogonal lines of evidence points towards the same mechanism, that that, then that mechanism is more likely to be true. Similarly, we consider that an understanding of comorbidities where the knowledge available from sets of related diseases may be brought to bear must enhance the understanding of the disease of particular intellectual interest. As Petsco notes, this strategy is well established, for example, in functional genomics, where it's often called guilt association where it uses the idea that the co-expression of genes of unknown function with genes of known function implies a contributory role for the unknown genes in the known function past that <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not going back reading that but uh yeah especially when the associations are between genetic polymorphisms and disease Diseases. The activity then become then known as genome-wide association studies is seen as entirely respectable. Nowadays, because the statistical risks of false positives are quite considerable when the number of variables, such as single nucleotide polymorphisms, is large, uh, the basis for any covariation or correlation has to be very well established and include separate validation steps. Consequently, although our ultimate aims are mechanistic, we shall start by looking at known risk factors and comorbidities of atrial fibrillation, where the term guilt by association has itself been used. We simply note here that the terms bias and confounder should really just be applied in studies in which relevant and knowable covariates, for example, gender or pre-existing pill consumption, are inadvertently distributed differently between two populations of interest, such as diseased and control. Other kinds of biases, such as focus on particular sets of gene products leading to models that use them, are in fact a significant feature of the now commonplace large language models based on transformers. Uh anyway, some uh flow diagram algorithm for uh covariates, etc. We can skip by that. So it is common that observe yeah, I'm not gonna read that. So uh let's see. What are fibrinoloid microclots? Clotting and clot removal happen all the time so that the body is primed for any desirable clotting to be initiated rapidly in response, say to a wound, at a high level soluble fibrinogen typically as a 5 by 45 nanometer complex of three different polypeptides a2 beta 2 gamma 2 molecular weight 340 a and B, one of the most abundant proteins in plasma, is acted upon by the serine protease thrombin. This action removes two fibrinopeptides, exposing knobs and holes, and leading to remarkable self-assembly in which fibrin monomers polymerize to make staggered oligomers that themselves lengthen into protofibrils that aggregate laterally to make fibers, finally branching to create three-dimensional network which represents the clots. Typical fiber diameter over a few hundred nanometers, say 100 to 400 with a fractal morphology, meaning that a unit of fibrin fiber contains many hundreds of fibrinogen monomers, contributing to its diameter at any point. Clots are then degraded by plasmid, which itself has a variety of activators and inhibitors. For our purpose, we note that the clots may not be fully formed, that they form anonymous conformations, that their rate of degradation is, in many cases, unusually low. This means that there may be, in certain diseases, a standing crop of fibrinoloid microclots much of the left hand part uh let's see much of the left hand part uh yeah, seems seems a bit of a non sequitur there but much of the left hand part is redrawn from a CC BY article at kel 2022 fibrinolysis can be decreased by a variety of i don't know if i'm reading the um figure legend here maybe um they haven't put that well they haven't formatted it well uh, but anyway, you're looking at um, how fibrin comes together and uh, makes clots and uh, you, uh, stops you leaking out like a sieve. So early studies in the electron microscope by one of us, uh, Pistorius, showed that while images of the fibrin fibers of normal clots looked much like nicely cooked spaghetti, those in a variety of chronic inflammatory and other conditions looked much as if spaghetti had been parboiled and stuck together in an unholy mess. A finding referred to at the time as dense matted deposits. These anomalous fibers could be induced by the presence of free iron. Interesting. And I guess we have an electron micrograph here of a red blood cell. Uh, yes. So we have a red blood cell and uh, the fibrinogen fibers wrapping around it. So healthy whole blood... Uh, okay. So they're got ai can not tell what's their figure legends. It's not being formatted properly. Um, many proteins can fold into a stabler beta-rich amyloid form with no change in sequence. Some of these are related to a variety of more or less well-known diseases, classical amyloid doses, in which unfolded forms of proteins such as AB and alpha-synuclein are detected, but even proteins such as insulin and lysozyme can adopt amyloid forms. The hypothesis of this kind of behavior is represented by prion proteins that can adopt a variety of stable amyloid-type states without changes in primary sequence that can even catalyze their own conformation. We later showed that the dense matted deposits were, in fact, amyloid in character. I guess preprint's not... Yeah, okay. That's how it reads. We later showed that dense uh, matter deposits were, in fact, amyloid in character, as they can be stained with the well-established amyloid stain, fireflavin T, as well as commercial tracker strains. This was confirmed by correlating images from the electron fluorescent microscopes. Such diseases, discussed in more detail below, were also accompanied by significant platelet activation. Figure 5 illustrates these phenomena. And here we have um, the uh, (laughs) microclots now, which um, I think are perhaps underlying a lot of the pathophysiology that we're seeing. But um, there's a number of things to keep in mind here, which is... If if we're looking at the weaponization of amyloids and we know that there are particular amyloidogenic sites of interest which, which we've identified um, and we now have data which would point towards it being able to catalyze prion protein, um, have they been able to figure out Really, you know, to get those epitopes down in size so that they can attack multiple peptides, or increase the chances of cross seeding, so that you can impact the amyloidogenic folding across different um, peptide classes. And I've got a feeling that's that's what we might be looking at right now. I think that we've somewhat crossed the the Rubicon now—that's—it's public knowledge now, especially if you listen to me—that that, that would be a weapon system that you would look for again because you can deploy it, and the effects are going to be un- unpredictable. It would it, it would appear, um, and well, it, uh, I don't I don't mean unpredictable in terms of the pathophysiology, but the impact at a population level, and so. Um, you know, if you want to take people out with uh, the equivalent of prion disease, uh, you know, um, maybe there's only so many people that are susceptible. And the more, the more peptides that you can cover with respect to making these um, abnormal uh, amyloidogenic structures, the more chance you have of causing these disease states. And, you know, you want to you take someone out quickly, you give them uh, large blood clots and atrial fibrillation. So a particular feature of such clots is that, like prion proteins, they are far more resistant to the the normal to proteolysis, in this case, fibrinolysis, and their sizes can vary widely over the main approximate range of 2 to 100 millimeter diameter. The addition of known amyloids to clotting systems can induce similar effects. Also like prion proteins, these amyloid forms are thermodynamically more stable than are the non-amyloid forms, meaning that they um, they don't break down with heat. Uh, duh, 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 where we? Uh, the abnormal form can catalyze the transformation of the normal form into itself. Consequently, this can be triggered by minuscule amount of suitable substances such as bacterial cell wall materials or viral surface proteins noting that far more small molecules bind to proteins than was widely assumed ah, imagine that imagine that that those proteins that <laughs> they had reactive sites on them where catalyzing epitopes combined to and once you figure out what those epitopes are game on right and it's very likely that we've reached that technical threshold where it's game on motherfuckers and um where <laughs> until i see evidence to the contrary this is this is the space that i'm gonna sit in and i don't care how many black pills i have to physically shove down your throat till you get it okay <laughs> and then and then when you get it you uh Yes, start having kids and uh, spitting out progeny just to piss them off. All right. Uh, well, we were viral surface proteins. So, uh, yes, noting that far more small molecules bind to proteins than was widely assumed, it is reasonable that any number of small molecules beyond iron ions might also affect the nature of fibrinogen polymerization, and certainly some, such as 7-beta-istradiol, are known to do so. Other features known to affect the rate of fibrinolysis include fiber diameters and the presence of antiplasminogen proteins. We illustrate the two types of fibrin as the cartoon in figure six. Uh yeah, yeah, just um amyloidogenic cascade. The typical size range of these fibrinoloid microclots can allow them to travel widely through the vasculature essentially blocking up capillaries of a suitable diameter, inhibiting blood flow, and hence O2 transfer to tissues, and thus accounting in principle for the very wide range of symptoms in syndromes such as long COVID, including fatigue, post-exertional symptom exacerbation, and auto-antibody induction. Very recently, amyloid deposits have also been found in muscle tissues, not just plasma of individuals with long COVID, With this brief summary of fibrinoloid microclots, we now turn to risk factors for atrial fibrillation. And again, you have to ask yourself, how come everyone just got exposed to these amyloidogenic um, epitopes and properties? And again, the the question in my mind now is okay, we're um, in this instance, they're talking about fibrinogen, they're talking about a specific um, set of amyloidogenic proteins we need to know the full extent and the uh, fibrinoloid i'm not too concerned about it being a the equivalent of a transmissible spongiform encephalopathy a prion and the the question we have to answer is have they seeded prion the prion prion into the environment and had a go at it, such that they, such that their calculation was, oh, we got half the population to expose themselves. And I don't know what their attack rate is. Maybe they think they can get a, I don't know. Even if it was a 50% attack rate, okay? Couple that with uh, things like uh, collapsing births, as we've seen in Sweden, if that's a trend that uh, is maintained elsewhere in other countries, Um Things will get interesting, and you know, you might want to. You might just want to get used to a, as we say, a more restricted um, world, just like they'd want. Uh, let's see, risk factors for AF that are not seen as disease comorbidities. So many studies have examined how the prevalence of atrial fibrillation varies with properties such as age, gender, BMI, that are not per se normally seen as comorbidities, and we shall look at them first, mostly to see if they give any hints with the incidence of microclots before we move to the other factors. While the guidelines of Hendrix and colleagues provide a comprehensive list, these few are summarized in table one. The focus here is on the prevalence more than outcomes, since the applications of therapies is not necessarily uniform. Uh, So the risk factor age, BMI, ethnicity, uh, more prevalent among Caucasians, not entirely clear how much is genetics, culture, lifestyle, or G times E. Not sure what that stands for. And as with genetics, no studies really seek to deconvolve these factors. Familial association genetics... Uh, gender, more prevalent in males, though outcomes can be worse for females. Interestingly, with the possible exception of age, none of these is especially associated with AF, independently of disease, and neither is the prevalence of microclots. For instance, age and male gender do associate with acute COVID, but long COVID is far more prevalent in women and often not the older ones. That is already a useful test because If there were very strong associations with pure AF but not with microclots, it would be harder to argue for a major role of microclots in atrial fibrillation or vice versa. While BMI might have been placed in this category, it is an effect as much as a cause. A high BMI can cover a multitude of physiques such that a high BMI in a professional rugby player would not necessarily be seen as a significant risk factor as it might be in an office worker. However, other lifestyle choices are more obviously under the control of individuals, e.g. alcohol consumption. And we look next at these. Although exposure to particulate matter may not be seen as a lifestyle choice, urban versus rural living is one and particulate matter exposure, especially from cars, is far worse in the former and the effects are substantial. They also show the importance of particulate Particular irritants, a category in which fibrinoloid microclots might be considered to fall. So um, let's see. So risk factor alcohol consumption, exercise, particulate matter. Particulate matter is also amyloidogenic. (laughs) Psychosocial stress, as estimated by surrogates, reflecting anger, hostility, could be a minor risk factor in men, but not women, even after controlling for hypertension. All right. Uh smoking. Ah, how dare you? <laughs> what about vaping? All right <laughs> all that, that goy slot particulate matter being absorbed by my lungs. I'm sure it's perfectly fine. Laced with uh, the finest nicotine. <laughs> 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 Risk factors that are recognized as known disease comorbidities. Most chronic inflammatory diseases share many properties, including inflammation, oxidative stress, and iron dysregulation. There's there's that iron dysregulation again, folks. I've been raising the flag about that for bloody years. And, uh, yeah, it's a tough one to deal with. Back to the paper. This of itself might lead one to suppose that they have a broadly similar ultimate type of cause, i.e. something labelled Y in figure one, and the evidence for this something points rather squarely at an infectious origin. So, let's see, table three. Some supposedly non-communicable diseases for which there is in fact substantial evidence an infectious element and or evidence of fibrinol and uh, fibrinoloid microclots alzheimer's uh let's see comment many references not least from ruth itzaki focusing on hsv imply this strongly other organisms have also been implicated mm-hmm. yes 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 and do you think the bioweaponeers haven't honed in on this fact? Diabetes type 2, originally asked by Gunderson in 1927. Even greater evidence for type 1, Jean-Baptiste, not covered here. Uh, Uh, Multiple sclerosis, now recognized as being caused by Epstein-Barr virus. Mm. Myologic encephalitis, chronic fatigue syndrome, clear infectious origin, likely viral, and most likely a herpes virus. Interesting. Parkinson's, induction of disease progression by bacterial lipopolysaccharides and by viruses, rheumatoid arthritis, absolutely clear evidence for proteus as the infectious agents, sleep apnea, uh-oh, <laughs> obstructive sleep apnea is a strong risk factor of or comorbidity of AF, also associated with obesity. Apart from multiple sclerosis and sleep apnea that we have not yet studied, it is striking each of the supposedly noncommunicable diseases listed in table 3 can be seen to have an infectious origin. We know that components of both bacteria, e.g. the lipopolysaccharide and viruses, SARS-CoV-2 spike protein, can induce fibrinoloid microclots. However, our next task is to list some of these comorbidities on the grounds so that they surely contain clues as to the origins of the syndrome of our present prime focus, these atrial fibrillation. Thus, table four lists some of the known comorbidities of various diseases and atrial fibrillation. Because of the relative lack until recently of long-term screening, it's not normally easy to determine longitudinal trends, potentially than causal chains. But for present purposes, an association is sufficient. Before we move to cases in which we absolutely know that a specific infection can lead to atrial fibrillation. Table 4 makes clear that each of these diseases that also makes appearance in Table 4 implying that they are related to each other, whether as effects of an earlier cause or on their own causal chain in either direction or both. Again, Alzheimer's uh Atrial fibrillation is, of course, related to age, as is Alzheimer's disease. Stroke is also related to vascular dementia. Strong comorbidities between cardiovascular disease and Alzheimer's disease. And yet that's one of the things that we, um, we associate with spike protein exposure. Um, I think that, you know one of the sort of prime mover um, causal events is the um, amyloidogenic angiopathy that you get so um or cerebrovascular effects and um you restrict blood flow you um you put the brain into oxygen debt and um you create the grounds for inflammation and the emergence of these prions and um that it becomes a uh reinforcing um cascade and um People say, well, Alzheimer's is just another form of diabetes, Um, potentially. And of course, diet can help. But um, (laughs) again, it's only a case of slowing it down. Um, Can you can you slow it down a lot? Well, let's uh, let's hope so. Uh, di- di- uh, sorry, diabetes type two very strong association with atrial fibrillation, with diabetic complications. Parkinson's some evidence of an association of atrial fibrillation with the early PD, much less so if PD diagnosed later. I.e., evidence either way is relatively weak. Rheumatoid or arthritis small significant association, but confounded with use of small molecular drugs. Also associated with greater risk of cardiovascular disease examples in which we know that infection can lead to atrial fibrillation. The conclusion from the above is that there is strong associative evidence for comorbidities of supposedly non-infectious diseases in which fibrinoloid microclots are being demonstrated and atrial fibrillation. Unfortunately, however, in most cases, a causative mechanism or set of mechanisms or chain of causal reasoning is not to hand. However, infections represent a class of disease in which the temporal origin the infection is usually known from early symptoms, so it's reasonable to ask the question of whether the infection is known to lead to atrial fibrillation in populations previously known not to manifest it. Not least since the appearance of long COVID, albeit there are many similar post-infection syndromes such as ME-CFS, Gulf War Syndrome, Post Ebola Syndrome, etc. We've come to recognize that a variety of infections can cause major, sometimes debilitating symptoms for extended periods after the infection has normally cleared. In the same way, preeclampsia is associated with a significantly increased risk of cardiovascular disease, often for many years after the pregnancy in question. The following facts relating relating infection to subsequent atrial fibrillation are thus highly pertinent. 7.6% of cases of community-acquired pneumonia lead to new-onset atrial fibrillation. Atrial fibrillation is a common occurrence following infection with SARS-CoV-2 the odds ratio for atrial fibrillation 365 days after covid-19 compared to a well-established control group was 1.83 in a large study so nearly double previous use of doax doax what's doax is protective against atrial fibrillation following sars-cov-2 infection i don't know what DOAC is
3: Mm
4: -mm. direct oral anticoagulants Mm, note that AF increased the bleeding risk of those on anticoagulants there was an increased mortality from acute COVID-19 in patients with atrial fibrillation, especially old ones. The same applies to long COVID, which is not surprising given it its incidence following acute COVID incidence after COVID. and refs like say they, they need some editing done to this paper, but cardiac arrhythmias also seem to be caused by COVID-19 vaccination, which of course includes spike protein or RNA coding for it. Spike protein is known to cause microclots. (laughs) (laughs) They're getting dangerously close to the third rail there. (laughs) Are they going to get that past the reviewers? Um, Bravo if they do. New onset atrial fibrillation is a common occurrence in sepsis, which of course convolves infection and inflammation, increasing as sepsis leads to severe sepsis, then septic shock, leading to poorer outcomes. Sepsis likely involves microclots which can be induced experimentally in the presence of cell surface components of infectious agents such as bacterial lipopolysaccharide. Remember, folks, there's that superantigen site which uh, looks highly suspicious in SARS-CoV-2. Yeah, so I mentioned the spike protein of SARS-CoV-2 as well. Coagulation, in the worst case, disseminated intravascular coagulation is a frequent accompaniment of sepsis. Anticoagulants are significantly protective against the complications of sepsis when timed properly, and especially in the presence of disseminated intravascular coagulation. This raises the suspicion that coagulopathies may often precede atrial fibrillation, and before we look at this, we shall rehearse a few of the potentially relevant biomarkers. So, I've got... The thing with reviews is... okay. I'm nearly, I'm about halfway. So I've oh got blocked nose. Excuse me one minute. Infection and stroke. We note that stroke and infection are often associated uh, and when co-occurring often lead to an unfavorable outcome. Infections associated with stroke are usually called or referred to as post-stroke infection, but it is equally plausible and in some cases demonstrable that earlier stages of infection precede the stroke event that is referred to. Some of the evidence for this includes the fact that similar changes in the gut microbiome could be predictive of both stroke itself and post-stroke infection. However, apart from lowering urinary tract infections, prophylactic antibiotics were mostly not preventative. One interpretation of this is simply that the amount of bacterial cell wall product in the plasma necessary to induce microclots is absolute minuscule and a tiny fraction of the total bacterial load within a person. Note, however, that certain antibiotics also increase the release of such amyloidogenic bacterial cell wall materials. Wonderful thereby negating, or worse, the benefits of antibiosis per se. One might also add here that some co-associations are likely causation, for which antibiotics are also not protective. It's also true of Parkinson's disease. Some biochemical changes accompanying atrial fibrillation. Given the above and the variety of biomarkers that might have something useful, it is also of interest to survey biochemical markers that might also correlate with atrial fibrillation. Table 5 summarizes some markers that have been found to be raised in atrial fibrillation that might be related to the genesis or presence of coagulopathies, generally and potentially fibrinoloid microclots. So, ferritin. Serum ferritin is a marker of cell death whose accompanying release of free iron can cause microclots may itself be induced by them or other traumas. Significantly raised in atrial fibrillation fibrinogen, including G prime, fibrinogen levels are commonly raised in inflammatory diseases. Fibrinogen levels are higher in individuals with AF and those having a higher, whatever, GAT, DST mass score or, and likelihood of stroke, consistent with the role of microclots in the onset of atrial fibrillation. Fibrin clot properties also relate to stroke likelihood severity in atrial fibrillation, though no amyloid measurements were made. Information, yes, yes, yes. Plus activating factor, platelet factor 4, platelet activation, beta-thromboglobulin, beta-thromboglobulin, thrombo, sorry, uh, troponin. Uh, let's see, von Willebrand factor. Verkau's triad, coagulopathies and thrombogenic potential as predictors of atrial fibrillation. Although, as mentioned, atrial fibrillation is widely recognized as predictive of thrombus formation, our proposal is that the converse is also true, if not even more so, is these further evidence for this? While our preferred metric is the absence of fibrinoloid microclots, measures such as D-dimer reflecting those of clot breakdown rather than clot presence, these have not been done, so we need to look to more traditional measures of clotting potential where similar suspicions have been raised, and some limited longitudinal evidence brought forward. Virchow's triad reflects or consists of abnormal blood constituents, vessel wall abnormalities, endotheliitis, and abnormal blood flow, a set of coagulopathies leading to venous thrombosis that also occur in atrial fibrillation, and indeed are common in both acute and long COVID. (laughs) It's just, when they stack all the reference in there, um, it's hard to read through them which of course are also characterized by fibrinoloid microclots. Note again that the special features of these fibrinoloid microclots which not only makes them easy to see but makes them significantly more resistant to the normal means of fibrinolysis. This again points strongly to the potential for microclots as being causative in atrial fibrillation and not merely a consequence. Similarly it is easy to suppose that microclots potentially able to aggregate into better-known microclots. It seems highly desirable to test these as to whether or not they are amyloid in character. Clinical risk stores. Um, (CHA). Well we're going to find out what this is. So from the point of view of risk factor analysis, the main present assessment for predicting risk of stroke in individuals known to have atrial fibrillation is known and as and leads to clinical risk scores such as CHA2DS2 VASC score, uh, a backronym related to congestive heart failure, hypertension, age greater than 75 years, diabetes mellitus, prior stroke, or t- transient ischemic event. Uh, attack, sorry, or thromboembolism, vascular age, uh, and sex category. The elements not marked as two points score one point, and age is either one or two points, giving a maximum score of nine. These are now wide, common use in guidelines globally. However, notwithstanding that strokes are clearly caused by microclots as phased by Qureshi, these scores rely mostly on clinical comorbidities rather than thrombogenic mechanisms such as blood stasis, hypercoagulability, and the endothelial dysfunction. Known as Verkau's triad, in view of the above arguments, it does seem very timely to revisit these and indeed develop new methods of assessment based on markers of thrombotic problems, including biochemical markers such as those in Table 5, more, physio- more physiological methods of endothelial dysfunction such as flow mediated dilation and in particular fibrinoloid microclots given the tendency of unfolded amyloid proteins to nucleate and increase in size it is highly plausible that microclots may serve as precursors to macroclots figure 7 provides a summary and overview of the kinds of evidence we have brought here this is Okay, so something about machine learning here. So, as we move towards post genomic data driven biology, it is increasingly recognized that hypothesis free methods can play a valuable role in deconstructing complex phenomena, thus, within the atrial fibrillation field, machine learning has now been applied to the predictive risk of many inputs including more narrowly on ECGs and in COVID-19 in one study, 15% of atrial fibrillation patients assigned to their AF cohort by that algorithm had a secondary care diagnosis with no record of an AF in primary care. Implementing such algorithms would be highly cost effective. <laughs> That's right, Licks Bills, you get under that algorithm and uh... <laughs> You won't get no UBI unless you get under there and uh, have a government dictate to you how you should uh, lead your life. Uh. All right. So discussions, conclusions, and a forward look. Although we have focused here on atrial fibrillation, we recognize that many other cardiac, more generally cardiovascular disorders, are also accompanied by thromboses of various kinds. These include type 2 diabetes, heart failure, myocarditis, peripheral arterial disease, various disorders of pregnancy, and others that are not always but should be seen to be associated with vascular problems such as Alzheimer's and Parkinson's. Cardiac amyloidosis are of special interest here. The multifaceted clinical complexity of patients with AF has led to the current overall holistic or integrated care management approach to AF care as is recommended in guidelines. Learning from this collective of syndromes allows one to see common factors, at least one which involves fibrinoid microclots. Up to now, these have not been studied as an independent risk factor. This clearly needs to change. Um, Yes, I'm going to agree with them here, particularly where the larger impact. Look, all you people with uh, long COVID and uh, destroyed quality of life, um, you're going to have to take a backseat for the moment whilst we figure out why our young are dying at an accelerated rate. We need those fuckers and we need them fucking because we need them to make children and we can't afford to have them taken out of the, uh, the workforce. And, uh, even if, uh, even if you're a malingering, decrepit now, um, I'm sure, I'm sure if you're a breeding age, <laughs> you can, you can muster up the energy to at least, uh, at least have a go at keeping the species going. If you're dead from, <laughs> from, Probably uh, amyloidogenic buildup and the triggering of heart heart conditions, and I'll presume that this is one of the factors because it's not being explained well. All all, all we're hearing is heart failure, cardiovascular disorders. What makes young people just keel over and die? And that's got to involve it's two things, like direct, um. Plotting uh, event or a breakdown in the autonomic control, so an attack at the central nervous system level. Um, both could be at play. Both can involve um, protein misfolding. And we've stepped into the age of weaponized prions. And this, I think, is what we're seeing right now. And they just have to sit back. The job is done. They got 4 billion of you to uh, roll up your sleeve and get exposed to these viral epitopes, in this case, SARS-CoV-2, a particularly nasty one, as we know that it catalyzes the prion protein. So um, that's the paper done. Let's see if, uh, the doc has, um, managed, uh, anything approximating some shekels for the day, and then I'll wrap up. So, uh, 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 I want to say, uh, thank you to, uh, Vex and, uh, Gina, the rest of you, um, hang your head in shame. Did I shout out earlier? Maybe, maybe not. But just in case, uh, I can't remember if I did off that short one I did earlier today. But Web, Gaza, uh, and Vex. uh, (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for keeping this stream going. Um, Reports on uh, scientific experiments. I'm working my hardest to um, make that happen. Um, I think we've made significant steps forward. Um, yesterday, we'll see how it goes there's still pieces to drop into place I hope they do, I'll have a go and uh, we'll see um, how much amyloidogenic clotting and how many prions we can trigger through spike exposure Um, will I be able to um, test loads and loads of vaccines, no I've got some, but not as much as I would like Um, but in my case I, I i'm seeing spike protein as interchangeable um it doesn't matter and we need to know if there is a significant risk from prion catalyzing we know it's there and i just want to see if i can get it experimentally and if we do then we know that we're they've shunted us into what's potentially the super prion uh paradigm and uh <laughs> your old fuck licks pills <laughs> start having kids you might want to you might want to start thinking about uh how should we say arrange mar- arranged marriages make sure uh make sure there are fertile lines still available to you all right uh let's read the chat and then um uh, as uh you're all k26r's the doc's gonna wrap the stream up you're uh <laughs> Let's see. Zombie says, I want Kev to dress as the Riddler in green for all the webcasts. Um, I'm cheap, uh, Zombie68. uh, Send me an offer and I'll think about it. Let's see. I saw that immigration emergency housing in Chicago will be vaccinating on arrivals. Uh, Interesting. Uh, Let's see. I imagine that is standard in all the receiving major cities. Uh, Probably. Let's see. Two points for this station. Let's see, most USA has mostly called off salmon fishing since the fish population in MW has crashed. Fish prions. Um <laughs> I just think that's greedy fuckers who like uh, smoked salmon. Um uh, look, I hate fish, but even I'll eat smoked salmon. Let's see. Uh host is hoping for an Alex Jones supplement plug. Um he has uh an Alex Jones supplement plug. That was literally um the pre show to Alex Jones, so Let's see get some allicin 5 on your lungs in your blood and in your cells um yeah uh vape some uh vape some garlic i guess all right so probably because they are too busy cooming um we need uh <laughs> less. uh less how should we say more? Uh, more coupled cooming is what we should be aiming for, right? Uh, let's see. Once you get past the smell, <laughs> you got it licked. I don't know. I've got to see what's uh, in the in the chat there. What am I? Uh, what am I missing? What what gems? alright <laughs> Uh, let's see, quantum prions, uh, let's see, Roger Lampert, says wonderful appearance, Dr. McCairn. Uh I mean, it's nice to get to just, speak to someone, where I'm not just, <laughs> trying to be, as you say, entertaining, for uh, the, Black eye of Sauron that's looking at me for, for, through that camera and the, uh, the internet out there. It's it's nice to have uh, you know and something focused, right? Where you know there's someone asking questions and I can bring bring up these subjects. And I know, uh excuse me, <laughs> I know uh that um how should we say the, the it, it was supposed to be about. Um, Implants, right, neuralink, and what have you. But um notice how the doc squeezed it into uh, depopulation and uh, super prions. Get the roll the licks, fills up. Let them know. Uh, let them know they've been targeted. All right. Let's see when you're streaming with Tucker Carlson. <laughs> that would be so hilarious if I did, man. <laughs> People would just say ah oh, no, american he's now controlled opposition <laughs> uh let's see woo science says good doggy uh the science is uh, somewhat done uh they need that guest to bone broth supplement gap in the audio uh look that yeah that was playing in the background i'm not sure why it it's because i'm on the uh, i'm off their sort of normal feed as it were. So, um, if, if you were watching on their Rumble channel, etc. All right. Uh, a ground up full skin cream available at InfoWars. Um, who knows? <laughs> uh, let's see. I've seen reports that photosynthesis is racist. Um, yeah. All right. Uh, Christian feeds his bleaks steaks from Nebraska. Christian? You need an AI producer. I do. I do. Um we need a boner pill sponsor. Um yeah, I don't know, man. Just I wanna be I don't want that uh that corporate hold over me, to tell the truth. Uh support Jad Science Show. That's what I say. Do it by yourself, keeping a doc independent. Uh holding people to account. Right. Uh da, 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 da. let's see. Can you push your audio dial back to where it was, Kev? Yes. How about that? Uh, let's see. Truth bombs versus prions in the mm. Super Bowl. Uh, okay. Uh, let's see. Dexamonix says, Hi, I go to join. Please do. Uh, Kev is glowing. Um, <laughs> glowing? Someone's calling me glow, nigger. How dare you? nigga, 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 nigga. Uh, Mike Gank, go back up, Doc. Lowered it for info. Yeah, sorry, I'm just uh, highly sort of the comment now. So, uh, let's see. Live near caves and remote mountains if you're up for it. Uh, let's see. I sold my house during the COVID hype peak. Will look for a stableish country to move to once the masses start dying off. or just buy a boat. Uh, yeah. Um, I wish I could. Look, right. I ain't got any special measures in place. I'm just hoping that uh Faith in the Lord will uh see the uh see the dog through and um <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what you do in the scope of uh, something so overwhelming. That's why most people don't want to think about it. They don't want to think about it, right? They wanna talk about it. oh they wanna they wanna control our populations, oh they build a burgers, etc. But um tell them that they probably just took their shot at you suddenly they don't want to know and uh, <laughs> I don't know. I'm not sure how to help those people right so da, 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 da. that's my man cave count um, <laughs> if man caves count I'm sorted right uh, live near caves and remote mountains if you're up for it look man most people would break <laughs> in those conditions <laughs> you're yeah, all so soft now I mean, you know, if you have kids in that environment, they they might sort of get you through, and it would just be their life to them. So they don't know, they don't know any different. But uh, uh, let's see, uh, 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 will rats be humanized ones? Um, who knows? I mean, they do do that. Uh, too much Tinder, it's breaking the young people's hearts, getting rejected all the time. <laughs> yeah, man, you got to get those calluses on there. <laughs> well, t- Tinder works for, like, the, it, it's... Um, it enables hypergamy and uh, the R selection strategy among uh how should we say the the better males, and uh it kind of pulls out the worst in in us um I'm not sure i don't know i don't know if, uh, <laughs> if i'd been if I'd still be here now were, were I around when tinder were a thing uh let's see have christy grace um yeah I, she, I was talking to her earlier i'm happy to do a stream with christy that um she's she's very busy though right now uh she's got she's got a real job and shit all right uh let's see if you agree to interview with chris hinckley on the rbn you should expect a jesus will fix all this this is epidemic here in the usa um yeah, man. But look, <laughs> when you're facing something as existential as the potential for the super prion, um, I I would grab on to whatever uh, you can with respect to um, flotsam and floats as the ship goes down. And uh, if faith in faith in the Lord, Hallelujah, Jesus is uh, a way for you. To get through it, then uh, by all means. If uh, you need to um, bow and pray to Mecca, um, knock yourself out. If you need to uh, meditate in the uh, Shinto grounds as nature merges around you, then I'm I'm all for it. I, I'm not I'm not going to knock people's um, ideologies at this point when there's <laughs> there's a far more dangerous one that's got it in for you right now. All right, Uh, let's see. Chris Inkley has the same time slot as American Journal. His show's okay. Jesus stuff, yes, but he's an okay host. Um, Yeah, look, I'm happy to speak to anyone. uh, I'm happy to explain the risk from prions. Um, You know, I'm happy to go into the detail here around um, this microclotting. And, um, you know, I've said, you know, after four years, I'm happy to be associated with a group that's actively working on this, um, I do think it's one of the better interventions that can be made. And um, maybe, maybe plasmapheresis can be, uh, I don't think it's a sort of, <laughs> I don't know, like it, you, you give blood, right? So could plasmapheresis be a optimal or, or a good strategy on a large scale? I don't know. I don't know. Um potentially. I'd like to see it rolled out more. Um maybe that's what I should go for. Just have just have a good scrubbing of the plasma. Uh let's see. Um Yeah, I think uh that's me up to date. It's three AM. Uh the doc's gonna go lay down. And um, I'll be back uh, later. I'll see what uh, I have to do for uh, streaming. Oh, I say thank you to uh, Glynis. Much, much appreciated for the support. And uh, for that, you can have, uh, what can you have a sadam trip? Oh, awesome. If only the pan-Arab chads had won, we wouldn't be in this situation today. <laughs> we, need, we need more chemical alleys back. <laughs> Saddam Hussein's. Get these scallions under control. All right. Uh, let's see. I think, uh, yeah, that's me out of here. I'm on the wrong soundboard. Just wait one second. Right. Take care. God bless. Grab on to the spiritual flotsam. I think we're going to need it. I'll see you in the next one.
3: Bro, right. you know how angry I fucking, am. You do. Like, I was just, just even leaving for fucking, fucking work. work. You do not, not understand
1: how fucking pissed
0: off. After reading
3: that
1: online, I will be arrested for not taking a fucking
3: vaccine. Fuck these gappers. I will fucking kill each fucking gappers. <laughs> this is
1: not a
0: fucking joke anymore. This is fucking dead serious. I am fucking dead serious. These people don't know who is. the fuck they're asking, Fuck these channels. No fucking vaccine or ever end. Will ever test you on fucking war plan. Never. I will fucking die.
4: Fucking fighting for my fucking... The bees and my fucking motherfuckers and my fucking knees. Fuck these motherfuckers. All that mind is we're going to